friends, welcome to episode six of the Overflow podcast. Last week, we had a Q&A with Chris, my husband, as we continued the series of Knowing Your Spouse, um, and it was such a good conversation. Actually, I like to describe it as gold. There was just so much goodness in that that we were able to literally share as an overflow of our journey um, in our marriage. And we had a few more questions that we did not have enough time to actually get through. So we wanted to take the opportunity on episode six to carry over that conversation and hopefully continue to encourage you uh, in some of the questions that you had for us in the season of knowing your spouse. Today, one of the questions that we want to just dive into and talk about a little bit is um, how do we set healthy boundaries in our marriage relationship? It's a good question, right? It's a really good question. I think that it's important to acknowledge the need for boundaries Boundaries are actually a safety net of protection for you. It's I like to think of it as being um, preventative. It's like taking the necessary steps to protect something that's sacred and to protect something that's important to you. And you do that proactively before you get in a scenario or in a situation that could potentially lead to something you never even planned for or that you never even saw coming. Um, But being proactive and setting those boundaries, like having those conversations with one another and talking about what are things that are overstepping the lines and the bounds of our unity, our oneness in marriage. Yeah, I think your point about um, preventative is is important um, because what the the idea is to prevent tragedy, right? To right. to to prevent shipwreck, um, to prevent uh, some breach of covenant, and um, the opposite of that would be something that's punitive, where after that. Even though boundaries may have to be established, when you are when you are putting them in place again, in unity from a preventative standpoint, um, I, I, I think that's healthy. I think that um, you have greater buy-in from from both sides. And so, so what do you what what are some things? What do you mean? What, what do we mean when we talk about boundaries? Uh, Well, first, I feel like I need to kind of set a little bit of groundwork for that because we are here on the Overflow podcast. uh, We are in a season of knowing. And previously, before we entered into the conversation about knowing your spouse, before we can really lean in to know other people well, we have to know ourselves well. And I think part of being able to set boundaries is knowing yourself and knowing your spouse and knowing why you need to actually set the boundaries and the areas you need to set boundaries in. So what I mean by that is like, it can be setting boundaries with other people, but it can also be setting boundaries with other things. 
Um, it, you know, knowing your weaknesses, knowing the things that you tend to, um, not have good personal boundaries, um, set in yourself and what, um, the ways that you need to set those to protect yourself and to protect those that you're in relationship with. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember back early in our marriage, um, I mean, I, I have, again, coming from a background of addiction, from our personal journey and my experience with addiction, I think we saw evidences of that early on, and I had a propensity toward overindulgence in all things. Didn't matter if it was work, uh, a seemingly good thing, but that can um, become uh, overpowering and can overtake uh, spaces and time meant for other things. Didn't matter if it was golf or fishing or uh, what, whatever it Work. may. Yeah, yeah. Work. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I think that those are um, important things, and, and it's important to say on the on the outset. And for for a lot of people, I think maybe even friends. You know, early in marriage, you're transitioning from that. I've been my own person. Been my had had my own friend group. Um, maybe you have joint friends. I think that can, can make it easier. You know, we were, we got married early in our, in our friend group. So, um, a lot of our friends were still single. And, um, so, you know, the, the, the thing boundary, the, the, what are we going to do? How much are we going to, um, indulge in some hobby pastime, uh, again, work, uh, what is, what is, what does that look like? And, you know, I mean, thinking back, there were a lot of tough conversations back then. And and I think we mentioned, you know, last, last episode, um, a lot of that, uh, had more to do with me coming to grips with, um, what oneness is all about. And, and, um, you know, coming from really in hindsight, looking back a, a place of selfishness where, you know, I, I wanted to do what I wanted to do. Um, and, you know, through many conversations, even through some counseling, arriving at a place where, um, you know, we didn't want to settle for what was good. We wanted what was best for right, us. Right. And I think for me, I probably land on the setting boundaries with people um, more because I am a recovering people pleaser. <laughs> so I want to probably overinvest sometimes and um, lean in a little too much or a little too long um, because I want those relationships to be so okay and, and everyone in those relationships to be so okay with me that I had to learn how to set those healthy boundaries. And that was across the board for me. That was setting healthy boundaries with my parents, um, setting healthy ba- boundaries with, of course, our children once we started um, our family. And you know, even I would say somewhat in friendships, but our friend groups really the dynamic of that did change because we relocated shortly after we were married. So, you know, we were living in a new town. Um, you know, you were full force in your job. So you were naturally making relationship connections that I wasn't naturally making because I, you know, I was in a different space than you. So I think for me, it was learning how to draw those boundaries. Um, 
in relationships with people. Well, and, and I think, you know, you, you talked about family and some other dynamics there. And I think another important part of that is just the boundaries that we've drawn, drawn together um, regarding boundaries set for what relationships with, with others um, can and should look like. Um, and again, on the preventative side, you know, we're both uh, very careful, uh, avoid at all costs if possible, um, ever being alone with uh, a member of the opposite sex. Um, certainly, you know, in, in work, you're going to have uh, mixed gender relationships. That's a, that's, that's a, a part of it, but drawing healthy boundaries so that, um, you know, discussion, uh, is always on appropriate topics and, um, you know, never, I, I, I think, and we're, we're careful about using nevers and always is, um, but, but I think that it's, it's never really a good idea, um, to, discuss with a member of the opposite sex, uh, your marriage in, in any way, shape or form. Um, you know, thankful to have some solid male accountability partners, um, in my life. Um, but even in the absence of that, your motives could be entirely pure, but you have no idea, uh, what's going on on the other side of that conversation. Um, what anyone is, is coming into that, um, with, uh, their own baggage and situation. So, um, yeah, that's just a, that's kind of a hard line for us, uh, that we, we mutually sure. surrender yep. to. And, and the natural relationships, like I said, with, you know, parents and family and, and even children, and we now have adult children, um, that I think is one good thing to keep in mind. And, and, Again, I just disclaimer here, we're not professionals. We don't pretend to have it all figured out. But these are just things that have um, worked for us and things, a wisdom that we have learned along the way is that people in your life that love and care about you are going to have opinions on how they think you should do things, how they think you shouldn't do things, how um, they think that you should navigate through hard in your life and how they think that you should, you know, uh, utilize your money and utilize, you know, your other resources. And at the end of the day, the boundary comes when you and your spouse, because you are becoming one each day in your marriage and you have to make the decisions that work for you together, that work for you as your family. And the boundaries come when, hey, I get to choose if I invite you in to this space. I get to choose if you can step over the boundary that I've set and speak into this. And and then you get to also choose what you do with that advice. But if you don't have that boundary set up, you are going to, you're going to be swayed at times or you're going to um, you know, it could cause potential, um, you know, turmoil between the two of you. So, um, I guess, uh, for us, when we think about boundaries, we're thinking proactively, like yeah. putting those boundaries in place, talk about them now, talk about expectations, talk about what, what's good for you, what's right for you together. So that 
when you are faced with those situations, you already have that safeguard in place. You already know how you feel about it. You already know how you're going to attack it and your, your strategy plan toward whatever may come your way, whatever you may face in that situation. Yeah. And, and I, I think that leads into uh, the next topic, uh, just questions surrounding intimacy. What does intimacy look like, um, you know, in, in a healthy marriage and, you know, again, I feel like we're full of disclaimers, uh, not, not that, um, not that we have it all figured out, but, um, I think that we are, uh, well, I know we're, we're grateful today to be in a position where at times, um, we have young couples, um, we even have our children, uh, look to us and say, um, I, I want a marriage like you have. And that is probably the, the greatest and highest compliment that, mm-hmm. um, you know, we can, we could ever hope to, to hear, um, is that our kids desire what we have. Cause they get to see the ugly, they get to see it. They get to see it all try as, try as you might to protect them from, uh, you know, the reels of, of marriage, you know, they're going to see, um, and I, th- I think of intimacy again, it's been a journey for us. And we were talking about this um, earlier in a car ride. Um, I, th- I think it's like the bamboo tree. It's where like a bamboo a bamboo stalk can be planted and it looks like it's doing absolutely nothing for, for years. Mm. Um, there's just zero visible growth. If you go by, you have no idea someone's planted bamboo there. And, and all this time, the growth is happening under the surface in the root structure and it just continues and continues to develop. And then all of a sudden, just seemingly out of the blue, but, but really, um, after years it shoots up and all that healthy growth underneath then becomes visible. Um, and I think, um, you know, with gratitude, I say that that's kind of the season we're walking in today. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, you're my best friend. You're, you're the one I want to share things with. The first one I want to tell news to, um, she knows about all my, all my work drama, all my, (laughs) all my stuff. Like we, we bounce, um, information off of each other. We confide in one another. And again, as I mentioned a while ago, I, I have accountability partners. I, I also think that's very, um, important for husbands and wives to have, um, different topic, different time, make sure those are solid, right? You know, make sure they'll tell you truth, but, but, but make sure that they have your best interests and aren't working any kind of uh, competing agenda. Um, but yeah, I, I think that the intimacy, what was it? The counselor told me one time, this was, uh, one of my counselors and she gave me a very great description of intimacy. Mm-hmm. She spelled it as into me see. see. Yep. Yep. You know, and which is true. I think I, I can't, the when you were talking and based on our conversations earlier, I kept thinking about the fact that nothing great comes without a great cost. And I think the the intimacy, the depth of intimacy that you're able to share with another individual, your spouse is like we talked about last week, taking leaving off the table, choosing to stay, choosing every single day that I want what's best for 
this, my spouse, I want what's best for you. And, um, that's where, that's the breeding ground for intimacy and, and the building block for, um, the greatness that can come from that. And, um, I just think it's a beautiful thing, but you have to choose daily to stay in it, to fight for one another. I think, um, one of the things that, kind of draws that out for, for me. Um, it's kind of become a running joke that I asked this question, but it's, you know, like, how's your heart? You know, if I don't know how you are, if I don't know, I can obviously, because I know you, I can see when you're having a bad day or I can tell when you're struggling or I can see and experience when you're super excited about something, even though it doesn't excite me as much. Um, Star Wars. Yeah, Yeah. well, exactly. (laughs) Well, I think some of those those catch phrases or those questions, they may they may seem um, trivial and we do pick on her. How's your heart? How's your heart? Um, But we know what she's asking. I know what she's asking when when she asked me that. And I, you know. This is human nature 101. All of us desire to be known, but we fear being known because we're afraid if we're truly known and truly seen that the other person will reject what they find there. So intimacy um, requires vulnerability, but it's also a sacred space when your partner is choosing to be intimate, to be vulnerable with you. Um, It's a sacred space and um, to be held gently um, and with respect and with care for, again, the vulnerability that's being put out there. That was a big fear of mine. I, you know, as the, as the male, as the primary provider for most of our, um, most of our marriage and certainly our early marriage, it was, I felt compelled to um, represent as if I had it all together and I had all the answers Mm -hmm. and I I had it figured out. I didn't need anybody. So don't worry about it. I got it. And so as that stress and pressure and, and stuff would, would mount, um, it affected me. I wore that um, on, on the exterior Um, but it took, it took some time to get to a place where I was able to be vulnerable. That's just one example, but I, but I think that's, uh, common in a lot of of relationships. Um, I was also thinking about, um, you know, we have to be, we have to be bold in stepping out of our insecurities when it comes to, uh, being vulnerable with our spouse. And, and so those moments when maybe something's bothering you, but in your mind you're going, that's so dumb. Like if I tell him that he's going to think I'm so, I'm just so insecure and I'm so, you know, childish for feeling this way. When in fact we have to be able to move beyond that. We have to be able to say, Hey, you know, like, you know, when we were walking out of church today and I tried to grab your hand and you just kind of didn't grab mine back, that made me feel, you know, insecure. And I don't know, that was that's a weird example, but I'm just, I'm trying to provide, you know, insight here and say, you, we have to be willing and we need to, it's important for us to look at our spouse and say, Hey, when you do this or when you don't do this, 
I feel insecure. Yeah. yeah. And that's, and what I mean about holding that uh, as a sacred space is, is, you know, reality is that for one or the other, your first thought might actually be to the negative. You might think, oh my goodness, why would you think that? Why that, that's, uh, and, and, and I'm guilty of, of that particularly early in our marriage. Uh, what I have learned is that that is an opportunity for me to provide reassurance that, uh, again, it may seem obvious to me, but it's a chance to affirm to you something in your soul that you're you're longing to know, you're longing to be reassured of. And that's a great opportunity, and right. it only cements the bond. And, and makes it makes it stronger. And if we're not, but if we don't choose to be vulnerable and and share those, you things, never get to that. You spot. never get yeah. to that spot. Yeah. And that's that's the the beauty of we cannot move past the intimacy question without talking about physical intimacy. Wow, how much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> not enough, I'm sure. But it's so important that. Physical intimacy is a healthy, thriving, vibrant part of your relationship. If it is not, then the the red flags, the sirens, the alarms should be going off. And I believe that definitely it needs to be addressed because there is, I was sharing this with, with um, one of our daughters the other day, that it's a spiritual thing. Mm. Physical intimacy is a spiritual expression of love um, from God to his people. And uh, we don't talk about it enough. Um, and I feel like, I feel like it's very, very, very important to yeah. talk about. Yeah. I, you know, I didn't know we were going to talk about this. Um, so I'm totally flat footed <laughs> here. Um, you, the thing, one of the things about physical um, touch, uh, we we have tried um, to never make it a secret around our kids um, that you know I I love you, I show you affection that is reciprocated, and we demonstrate that in front of them, not in inappropriate ways, though they may argue <laughs> that point. Um, you know, we 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 constantly get the ooh gross you know mm-hmm. comments from them but I, re- I remember I remember as a um, as a as a high school student which high school male you know you know what's on every high school male's mind um, and I had a I had a I had a friend uh, a group a friend group and one of the one of the girls in that group um, her parents, this was a very, how can I say this? This was a very traditional, um, even almost maybe prudish, if that's, I, I don't know if she listens to your podcast or not, but, but uh, almost prudish family. Um, and I remember though there were, there were three sisters and they talked openly about how their parents talked with them and taught them about sex. And I remember, you know, it was like a freshman in high school, um, her telling us about her mom and dad and being like, Oh my goodness, they are like rabbits. Like every time you turn around (laughs) and you know, it, I looked up to them as kind of a, a spiritual force and, and, and mentors uh, in the community. Um, and it made a lasting impact 
on me. And um, I don't, you know, sex is not, sex between husband and wife is not a dirty thing, is not a shameful thing. It is to be celebrated. Um, and I agree, we should we should talk about it more and talk about it in a healthy context. But you, you touched on something, and I do want to say this. If you are out there and um, in your relationship, the, the, the physical intimacy um, is gone, um, is absent, is not happening. Um, I do think that is, you know, we call it the check engine mm-hmm. light. If, if, if something is there, it may not, you, you can't necessarily trace the issue at that moment, but it's a signal that, uh-oh, we need to, we need to dig in and look something, um, something is going on. Uh, because this is our reality when I'm right with you and you're right with me. Um, you know, it is, it is effortless to the point of desire. And again, I wasn't prepared to talk about this, so I got things coming to my mind. It's, it's effortless in the, in terms of desire, but schedules, schedules make it so that, it has to be made a priority. Right. And can I just say, there is nothing wrong with scheduling a lovemaking session with your spouse. Nothing. Right. You look out, here's my calendar, here's your calendar, and you think, that is so unromantic. Well, try it. <laughs> <laughs> Give it a shot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and and I, I, I do feel like I need to say here that we are talking about intimacy, um, making love to your spouse, the way that God designed it. And so when you think about that, it is an outward expression of a deep bond inwardly. Um, and it is, I cannot describe enough how it just continues to connect you and unify you and bond you together even deeper in a more holy way um, as you are continuing to become one. So I'm sorry. I just cannot escape talking about intimacy without talking about physical intimacy. So we're at, uh, we're past the 25 minute mark. Do you want to try lightning around the last question? Yeah, let's go ahead. Um, Cause I want to honor um, the questions that came in. So another question that um, was brought to the table was how do um, how do you walk through suffering together well? That's a loaded wow. question. Wow. Wow. Um, yeah, I, you know, well, I, I, I would I would say this I, we certainly don't have time to unpack this today. Um, but my journey with um, Addiction, suicidality, um, depression, all of the above, um, and tabs, uh, co-journey on that with me. Mm-hmm. We can't unpack that today, but we can we put in the, the show notes the link to Yeah, our, I was gonna I was yeah. gonna say that we would do that. Yeah, yeah, we shared not not too very long ago and we can put the link in there for that. Um, but we've also we've also had our share of um, you know suffering to use that term. That's the way the question was posed, um, through, through 
loss of uh, pregnancies twice, um, you know, a child born with special needs, difficulties uh, at various times uh, with the kids over the years. One, um, one quite difficult journey um, with with you know a, an openly wayward and, and rebellious child. Yeah, just thinking like job loss and financial hardship, all the things that that everybody faces at some point in time in one way or another. So like our suffering is not unique or more grand than than anyone else that might be listening today. But um, just that suffering well together means holding hands and walking that journey. Um, I think we were describing it, walking that journey together, but we were describing it earlier as um, having grace for one another. And uh, one thing you can't escape is that the Lord provides for you and he equips you with everything you need um, when that suffering and hardship comes into your life. Like well, he, he yeah. has prepared you for that. And there's going to be times when, there's going to be one day when one individual is really struggling with the suffering and the other one's stronger and they're carrying more of the weight and, and holding space for, um, the one who is struggling and he, who needs to, you know, take time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I hesitate here, um, to make it appear like we're given a one, two, three step process for, for how to address suffering, because it is unique and, and your pain is your own. Um, I, I, I think for us, what Tab was, was saying about um, one being strong when the other is, is weak, you know, our mutual dependence on the Lord through all of those various seasons of, of hardship um, was, was paramount. You know, we, it was messy. Did we do it imperfectly? No, of course not. Um, but it was our desire to seek him and and know that at the end of the day, at the end of the day, he was the only one to provide ultimate comfort. Tab couldn't comfort me in the spaces and the ways that only Jesus is meant to. Right. You you could not fill those holes for me. And if I asked you or expected you to do so. Um, it's unfair to you, and I'd be setting myself up for disappointment because you can't do what you were never meant to do. Now, that said, if God is ultimate and we were both seeking that in his kindness, he did put us in a situation where there weren't too many days that were both of our week day. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like if yeah. I was weak, you were strong and, and right. vice versa. Right, and, and I think in that, you know, it's like, if, like you said, if Christ is sitting on the throne of your heart and he is ultimate in your life, then you can look at the other one and say, here, I can't fix this for you. I can't be Christ for you, but I can be Christ to you. And I can also lead you to the one that sits on the throne of my heart and he can comfort you. And I just cannot escape the very first verse in Psalm 23, um, which I've been sitting in a lot in my personal um, time lately, is the Lord is my shepherd. He is all that I need. And when you 
just kind of breathe that in and breathe that out. Like no matter where you are in your season of suffering, um, he is all that you need and he will supply all that you need. So I wish that we could stay so much longer. Um, I have really enjoyed um, these episodes uh, with you and just talking through um, the things that we've learned along the way. And are you, are you firing me now? Is this, my, is this it? <laughs> I'm not saying that you won't be coming back at some point in time, but you know, it's really, it's a really beautiful thing when, um, you've been on a journey of life and you're able to share that and encourage other people in that, um, and pour into other people all the things that God has done in you and for you um, and, and all the things that he's taught you. So I hope in these episodes of answering some of these questions um, in a more tangible way from our experience that you have been able to gain some type of encouragement and insight. Um, I that is our goal and our plan. And like Chris uh, said, I had planned to share in the comments of this episode. Um, back in October, we were able to share with our church family our story. And I think that it will be encouraging even further um, to you and maybe give a little bit more insight of all the things that we've learned and walked through and that God has um, taught us and just done a miraculous work um, in our lives. So, Thank you for joining us today. Um, It has been a pleasure to um, just share this time with you. And I can't wait.